You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to episode number 64 of Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hello Dreamers, Rory O'Malley here, your host for Living the Dream. Thank you so much for downloading. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, tell everyone you've ever met so we can keep having these great conversations. My guest this week is Asmarette Gebremichael. She is an amazing, amazing performer. She has been doing it since she was a kid. She started in dance competitions in Pittsburgh and went on to go to school at NYU. And she didn't go for theater. Her parents are immigrants and were wanting her to get the best education possible. And she went on scholarship to NYU. She actually got a Broadway show, Footloose, um, while she was there. And since then, she just hasn't stopped. She has been in, hold on, let let me get the list here. Footloose, Lone Star Love, Wicked, Spamalot, In the Heights, Legally Blonde, Elf, The Book of Mormon, and Sweet Charity, which she was nominated for a Lucille Lortel Award. Um, and now, currently, she's in Dream Girls as Laurel on the West End. And she is so fantastic in this role. I was so lucky that I got to see her play it. She has had such a fantastic story, and she has worked as, started as a swing, an understudy, and in the ensemble of so many of those shows, and gradually became the lead. And her story is very exciting, and she's just the best. She's so funny, and um, I think she has a lot of really great perspective on social media, on what it's like to be a woman in this business, and uh, I love her. So yeah, enjoy my conversation with Asmaret. Hi, Asmaret. Hi, Rory. Welcome to Living the Dream. Thank you. I'm so excited to be doing this. I'm so excited that you are doing this. You're actually the first international uh, interview I think I've done. Ooh. You're in London right now. I'm in London right now, starring in Dreamgirls. I, which I saw you in. Hi. I had the privilege of seeing you in. You're playing Laurel. <laughs> you are so fucking good. There's no other other review for for you in that role. You are so fantastic. And I was just kind of welling up with tears seeing you on stage being this amazing 
phenomenal character that you were clearly born to play. Um, it, it, you knowing your journey and how much success yeah. you've, you've always had, but like this is a different type of success. And yeah. Yeah. how how does it feel to be on stage in Dreamgirls in London right now? It's really wild because I I think if you had said to me five ten years ago that I would be starring in my second West End show, I would have, have thought you were crazy. I mean, I just you never you never know what <clears throat> what journey what what where your path will lead basically. Um, so having all you know the years of experience and ups and downs and. Um, kind of moving my way up through the ensemble and, and then playing leads to, to see myself on a West End stage again, eight times a week is, it's a dream come true, not to, right. you know, for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's what we talk about here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, but uh, your, your first time on West End was with the Book of Mormon. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Right, with a show that you and I were in together in the original yes. company on Broadway. And so that was like going to going to London with a show that you were familiar with. You were playing Nabalungi, which you played on Broadway as well. Yeah. Um, but to be able to take over for a part on the West End and, and, and get used to London, was that your first time there or had you experienced the city before? I had I had passed through. I I'd spent, you know, two days here um over the last couple of years, but Doing Book of Mormon and, and being in the show for four months really allowed me to get to know the city, which I always knew I loved and I always felt a connection to it. So um, it was a nice opportunity to star in a hit show and kind of explore <laughs> another city that I that I now yeah. feel like is home too. Well, I, I think um, I just saw on, on Instagram um, <laughs> <laughs> a picture of you and uh, your your castmates currently, uh, Joe Aaron Reed, Michelle Wallace, and uh, Michael James Scott, who yes. is, just came over to do The Genie and Aladdin, who is yeah. also in Book of Mormon with us. And it was an amazing picture because all of you did uh, were in the ensemble of Broadway shows, probably all t together collectively in about 1,376 <laughs> Broadway shows, right? Yeah. Give that's the number? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> roughly it. That is roughly it. <laughs> um, you all have worked your asses off on Broadway for so many years and worked constantly, but you yeah. were never given the proper spotlight, in, in, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many people in the, in the community. And to see you all now have leads on the West End, it's pretty spectacular. It's, yeah. it's really amazing. And I've gotten I mean, to see all of you do these roles and yeah, you're all yeah. glorious. Yeah. How does that I mean, feel? It's incredible. I mean, when you guys came to see the show, I was, I was completely emotional because I knew that there were people sitting in the audience who knew my journey and, and how long I've been doing this and, right. and could watch me, you know, having the time of my life up on stage. And I think with Michael being here and Marisha and Joe and I, it's like we all started in New York and, you know, we were, we were successful, you know, but yeah. we didn't, we didn't get to that next level. And then cut to a few years later and we're all here starring in West End shows together, especially because Michael is my best friend. And yeah, you know, we met years and years ago when he was doing All Shook Up and I was doing Wicked. And um, to look back then and then, and, and then to see where, 
how far we've come. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing. I mean, and it's not to say that like you've been working nonstop, literally yeah. since, <laughs> since you were in college. Right. I mean, like yeah, from, yeah. so you, you haven't stopped working in ensembles of shows and you've always been a standout. You've always been, you know, that, that, that person that pops and, and, <laughs> and people walk away, even when you're in the ensemble, remembering what you did in that show, but to be able to see all of you shining so brightly, um, on the West end stage is, is so fantastic. And I just hope to God that the show on the West end comes to New York. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that all of you guys have, have really created something great there. And I would love yeah. to see it in New York. Casey Nicola, our director for book of Mormon directed this dream girls. And it's yes. phenomenal. It's it's just the best version of, of dream girls that I can imagine. Um, I mean, when I saw it before it was even, you know, part of the show, right. I just couldn't believe, and I'm sitting um, in the row behind Casey and just watching his excitement and, and the pride he had for, for this project that he created and yeah, um, made me so emotional. And, yeah. and he turned to me and he's like, hey, this is the best thing I've done. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's just so proud of it. He's really proud yeah. of it. And, and that, that energy is infectious. Yeah. Well, it's also such a celebration of, I don't know, of, of musical theater. And, um, yeah. it's certainly, it, it's certainly a, a, a celebration of, of the Motown music and yeah. of Broadway theater, two wonderful things coming together. Right. And there's so just the, the three main women are such powerful, strong female characters yeah. that, um, I love all of those characters so much, but your character is so great because she is powerful. She is strong, but she's also so damn funny. And I think <laughs> that that is your secret weapon is that you are gorgeous and you can sing like to the rafters and you're amazing, have such great presence, but you're the funniest damn person on any stage you're on. <laughs> you're just hilarious. And you, <laughs> and that really, really comes through. Um, what do you think it is about what are, what are the differences because you have such great experience in, on Broadway and now on the West End? What are the differences mm-hmm. between the two, West End and Broadway? Well, uh, I think. Well, I mean, just from a from a technical logistical standpoint, um, they do what is known as a cast change here, so that so everyone signs a year contract. Oh, right. And in that time, you, I mean, you basically can't audition for anything because you've signed your life away for a year. Principals, ensemble, everybody. Wow. And what I kind of admire here is that I think on Broadway, because, um, because the, you know, the pay is really good and, and you, you know, you, you've auditioned all, all, you know, so much to get a job that when, once you get it, you, you kind of want to stay put. I mean, some, that's not true of everyone, but. Sure. Um, I think that here in the West End, just from that perspective, people are much more willing to leave after the year. It seems it seems like there's much more turnover. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Um, but it's it's also similar. I mean, the community is, is similar here as it is on Broadway. It's it's a everyone knows each other. It's a, it's a supportive and tight knit community and. Um, I mean, the only real difference is sometimes the audiences are quieter in the West End. Yeah. 
But I, I mean, more polite. I'm, they're more polite, and I'm and I'm sure when you saw it, it wasn't that polite. Well, maybe it was. Um, no, well, I mean, I I couldn't tell that there were other people in the room. It was just yeah. me, Gerald, and Brian Sears yeah. screaming and and loving you. So I didn't I didn't know. No, I, they were they really were going crazy for you though. But, but, but that's I mean, this is I actually I've, I've been in two kind of exceptions to that right. rule here because I mean, with Book of Mormon, you just can't help but start. You know, can't help you can't help but laugh. Right. Um, and I think the music in Dreamgirls is so visceral that your only possible reaction at the end of Act One is just like is to leap to your feet. It's incredible. It is really yeah. people really go on the on the on the ride with us. But um, it's it's pretty similar, I have to say. Yeah. There aren't like too many major differences. No. Just a little Well, I, I think that it's funny that you say that um they are polite, but they haven't been polite for your show because they definitely have been going crazy for dream girls. Oh, yeah. When I checked into my hotel, I know you know the story, but I have to okay. tell the story. I checked into my hotel and the woman behind the desk, she said, And what will you be what will you be doing here while you are in London? And I said, Oh, I'm going to see Dream Girls tonight. you know, my husband and I are Gerald, we're gonna go see Dream Girls. And she went, Oh my God, it's phenomenal. And I said, oh yeah, yeah. And I said, um, I have some friends in the show and I'm really excited to see them. She went, what? Oh, I've seen it three times. My mother and I, and she kept talking about it and she was like really excited that I was going to see the show. And I thought, oh, that's so great. I, and we were a little jet lagged. So we go to our hotel room and about an hour later, I hear a knock at the door and she comes to the door. It's her. I go to the door and it's her. And she hands me this piece of paper and she's put together this entire, I don't know, a story that is all made up entirely of dream girls lyrics or titles of songs. It's oh, like, no. I, I know that uh, you only have one night only to see dream girls but uh, I wish we could get you there in a Cadillac car. Oh, my God. But <laughs> she liked this whole thing. I was like, this is very extra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I, when we went to the uh, theater, you guys gave me a signed poster for her. Yeah, so the entire right. cast had signed yeah. the poster. I gave it to her the next day, and she started crying. It was. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she's definitely was a huge, huge fan. And I think that what you guys are doing on that stage in Dreamgirls is just, it doesn't happen on um, many stages in, in oh. England. <laughs> the the, the yeah. kind of fire that you guys have together yeah. is, is incredible. And I just, yeah. I was very proud to see a bunch of um, American Broadway actresses wailing up on a stage and just being yeah. phenomenal. yeah. Yeah, we, we have so many Brits on American stages, so so it's nice to, yeah, exactly. to right. Um, okay, so we talk a lot about different themes that come up a lot for everyone in this in this business and how we kind of manage through them. Um, okay. The first one being rejection. Uh, how do you deal with rejection now? How did you deal with it as you were coming up in the business? You know, it's a funny thing, rejection, because I I think when I was younger, and, and it actually still kind of varies from job to job, depending on how badly I wanted something, but I think when I was younger, I was, I, I took everything so personally, and, and yeah. 
didn't quite understand that it's about so many other things than your audition or, you know. Um, so I think when I was when I was first starting out, it's just every job, every audition felt so important. And so it was like I put so much weight on it every time I walked into the room. And if I didn't get if I didn't get it or I didn't get a call back and, you know, I've, I mean, I'd be upset, but I would just kind of move on. Um, what's funny now that I'm older and have been doing this longer is that the jobs I'm auditioning for mean a lot more to me. They just do because of, you know, where I've, where I've arrived. Um, and so when I'm working on a character, I get really invested. And so if it doesn't work out and I, you know, feel really connected to that, to that character, it's it's a bummer. Mm. Um, but you know, you just have to, so cliche, but it's true. Uh, anytime I didn't get the job, I thought I wanted something better showed up. It's just like, you, you have no idea why this job won't work out or why, why, you know, it may come back to you. It's kind of just have to shake it off, which is so much easier said than done. Unless you're Taylor Swift and just make it a hit single. Exactly. Beautiful <laughs> gowns. Beautiful gowns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Gerald's been playing that the, the Aretha quote. Yeah. Uh, okay. About, okay. Okay. Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Taylor Swift can laugh at that as well. Um <laughs> uh, Me too. Me too. Me too. Um so th- another thing that we always talk about is jealousy. And I think that, you know, having that attitude that you have about rejection and being able to be a part of the ensemble of so many shows and be able to make the most out of every single moment you've been given yeah. kind of makes you an expert in how to not waste any time on being jealous, you know, yeah, uh, and, yeah. and to get to where you are. So how were you able to maintain that positive attitude and not be a jealous person? Um, I just, I don't think I've ever been a jealous person. I think that growing up, you know, doing a lot of dance competitions and um, kind of entering that like competitive arena at a young age. Yeah. Made, well, I think it, I think I saw jealousy and a lot of times I didn't realize that, that that's what was manifesting. Right. Um, but I've always, I'm a believer that you, you, you have your own path and what's meant for you won't pass you by. So I think that is like the mantra that I try to repeat over and over again. You know, I was up for something while I was here and I couldn't make it to New York for the callback. And I was bummed out because I was like, this role is so good and it's, you know, it's really appropriate for me. And I was excited about it. And then it just all kind of fell apart at the last minute. Right. Um, And so now I'm, you know, I'm starting to see like announcements and I'm like, oh, it could have been me, but you just, it's not really about the other people. It's really just about you. Right. You're not really, ultimately you're not competing against anyone else. Right. It's hard to remember that though. I mean, for, for me, totally. like sometimes if I see something uh, happening or, you know, I mean, it doesn't even have to be an announcement of Broadway show. It's scrolling through Instagram. You can, oh, yeah. you know, very easily just go to that place of, uh why, why is this not happening 
for me. And I think what's good to, you know, remember is that as two people who've been very, very uh, fortunate to be a part of so many different, you know, productions and, 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 you know, that for me, it's helpful to know that, you know, even Oscar winners get jealous that it's, that it's, or feel like they're not worth something. So they, if they have to deal with it and set it aside, it's okay that I do as well. And that we should all just kind of be like, like, oh, that's a normal human emotion. Yeah. And it comes up, I always think it's as kind of a byproduct of your own self-doubt. Yeah. A lot of times. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you think about the people that you see at every audition. And it's like, is it going to be her or me? You know, it's. Yeah. You see a lot of the same people at, the, at auditions, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about, uh, we also always talk about body image, um, something that is, is, you know, tough for everyone, but it's particularly for women. How do you yeah. keep a positive body image of yourself or not let, uh, that affect you in this business? Um, I think it's hard. I'd be lying if I said it didn't affect me. I mean, it's something that we're all conscious of. And and like you said, women, especially, um, when I was starting my first, my first two professional jobs, um, I had gone and done a show. I started doing a Broadway show and then I left to do an out of town run of something and came back to do the show. So the show that I left to go do, I was told to lose five pounds. And I think I ended up gaining like 15. It was horrible. It was a baby. Just like a hormone central. And then I went back to my other job and I'd gotten a weight notice and it crushed me. Crushed me. You got a weight notice? What is that? Yeah, Yeah, I was told to lose weight. Wow. Yeah. This was, this was on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I remember being told right before our holiday party. (laughs) So I just went to the holiday party in two years and afraid to eat anything. Um, I think that I just, I, I try to look at people who are working now and, I, I can appreciate that there's so many different body types and, and I think the aesthetic has changed a lot. It's, you know, it's not just about real thin women anymore. It's, you know, there's, there's, a, I think, I think there's more variety. Um, but I guess none of that matters if, if you don't do things that make you feel good. Right. Like I just try to work out as much as I can and try to eat well. And I mean, it's hard. It's hard, you know. We women have have hormones, and I I would say you feel good for one week a month. That's about it. You're like completely happy with yourself for one week out of the month. Every every other week is like PMS or post MS. It's just like you know. and you have to do eight shows a week. So it's like, on, yeah. on t- to, uh, that's what I always found so crazy is that when you're doing eight shows a week and then you're trying to figure out how to get a proper diet yeah. and yeah. exercise on top of that, I, I don't, I never quite figured that out because it always feels like you can't, you have to actually do a little bit more working out just so that you're not doing only those specific dance moves as your workout. And then you also need to eat enough 
to fuel yourself for all of that hard work, but not too much. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I can't eat too much before the show because I don't like to sing on a full stomach because I end up eating after the show. It's fine. But, yeah, I mean, this role has been the most challenging in terms of energy. Like, Really? When I first started, I was, I mean, I still do. I was sleeping like nine, ten hours a night, which is not how I normally sleep. I mean, I'm, I'm seven, eight normally. Right. Um, and you just forget that you're using your entire body to produce those sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. And an emotion, an emotional journey. An you know, emo- you're, yeah, exactly. you're. This isn't the Book of Mormon. You know, and and right. and I mean, or you know, I, actually, I shouldn't say that because obviously, when you were not believing, that's a totally different thing. But I think also just the weight of what the so the story is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I always said that with Hamilton, like it was so much easier to do Book of Mormon because everyone was just joking around the entire time on stage yeah. and yeah. off. Yeah. But Hamilton, you know, there's like this reverence and, you know, uh, like you're going to church and you yeah. know, doing something very important. Yeah. So you feel that weight a little bit more. And obviously with dream girls, that's going to change your mood as you, after you leave the theater. Oh yeah, sure. For sure. And it took me a while to get into the groove. And and actually, like, peek my head out from under the rock of Dream Girls and, and say, okay, I need to start doing Pilates. And so I, I do Pilates right. three times a week. Um, I mean, we're in high heels the whole time, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, I need, that's cross train. That's basically but, a reformer on your feet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it, it's it's. I think body image, and that that probably falls under the category of, of, of the gel keeping too. It's like, you know, not feeling like you're thin enough to do this TV audition or, right. you know, comparing yourself to other women in the room and, and what do they look like? And, you know, well, what do I look like next to them? And it can, it can drive you crazy. I just think the, whatever you can do to take care of yourself emotionally, mentally, physically will kind of give you the tools. Right. To navigate yeah. that story. It sucks though. I mean, it sucks. It sucks yeah. that women have to think about it. Yes, it does suck. And it's, I th- I'm hoping and that. And it was mentioned under the, the thing with Alicia in the Smokey Joe's review. Oh, yeah. I know. Yes, Alicia Umfress, who is this uh, amazing, stunning, wonderful singer. Yeah. Uh, when they had a review for Smokey Joe's Cafe, they mentioned that she was the quote unquote biggest girl in the show and that the costume designer did not um dress yeah. her yeah. well. So it was really shitty because it was calling her out on her size and yeah. you know just made her feel unnecessarily. terrible. Unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. Yeah. Like you can you can say that you don't like a dress without <laughs> without trying to call out the person in it compared to everyone else. And it was specifically to the skinny blonde girl, the shimmy girl. Right. That that the costume designer knew how to dress for her. Yeah. That was a, that was a really hard thing for, I think the entire community really. Well, because it's from another woman too. I mean, it's just like. Yes. It's hard enough, you know? 
Right. It's hard enough to put yourself up on a stage, be vulnerable and sing and do all those things, but to yeah. have a review that really isn't about your performance, but is comparing your body to your other female yeah. co-stars. Just, it was not cute, no. not cute at all. And I think that the, the community responded appropriately. Um, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And hopefully it's, you know, it, I think things are getting better. And, but I think that's because we, like, like you were saying, there needs to be all different kinds of body types. We need to be telling everyone's yeah, story. Exactly. Exactly. I, I've, I mean, I, I feel like everyone has a story and we need everyone to every kind of body type or person to be available to yeah. tell that story. So and I, think, um, I think because maybe theater and TV and film are, are trying to, um, they're trying to, they're moving towards the real and what sure. is like, what is real, what is, what is happening in real America? Right. And what do people in, in, in America actually look like? What size right. are they? What colors are skin? And, you know, I think as we move towards, towards more of that, Hopefully. Well, and I think there's more opportunities for, for stories to be told, especially, you know, with, with yes. streaming services and, you know, yeah. different and a lot, and a lot of theater, I think is a lot more theaters getting produced because people realize that they're, they there's actually can make money from it. And yeah. so there's more and more stories being told and people aren't just wanting to see fantasy. They want right. to see themselves in, right. in characters. So yeah. 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 It's definitely getting better. I think um, the social media aspect of what happened around uh, the Smokey Joe's controversy was oh a really good port part of of a com our community coming together and ha kind of having a conversation. Social media is a new phenomenon in the last yeah. ten years. Where yeah. when we started in this business, there was no social media. Oh no! Definitely. How do you, I, how? <laughs> Yeah. How do you engage with social media and do you think it is a, a positive thing overall or negative? I, you know, it's funny. I had a Facebook account back in 2007, 2008. Yeah. And when Legally Blonde closed, I was on my Facebook account and just had accepted all these friend requests. It was like before anyone knew the you know the privacy settings and all that stuff and i just got so overwhelmed and i canceled my account because i didn't hmm. i just didn't want to feel accessible i felt too accessible and yeah um so i still have no facebook account but i've since joined twitter and instagram and i i watch i watch younger cast members spend so much time on their phones trying to catch the the, the right selfie and right. you know insta stories that have that are not a story. There's just like a, you know, a series of like duck lips, you know? Um, I think it can be used for good. I think it can, can be destructive too. I think there are more campaigns about keeping social media real, which I yeah. think is important. Um, and, and, and issues like Alicia's review that, I mean, that's amazing that, that the information was able to be spread so quickly. Right. Um, what I do think is is dangerous is the. I mean, speaking of body image, is, is the Instagram like 
this aesthetic and these, and these Instagram models and everyone is, you know, everyone can be famous on Instagram. It's just that right. I think is dangerous, but um, I think it's, yeah, I think, I think I have a lot of youth, but I am trying to stay away from it more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, sad. <laughs> well, I think that we forget that there, like already we forget that there was a time before these things. Yeah. And there will be a time after them. I don't think that, you know, I think our cultural culture has changed in a way that we can't go back to. We'll never go back to before, but, but that it's not, doesn't have to always be exactly like this, that we can find the good parts and leave behind the bad. Um, and we can do that on our own without a company changing. We can change our habits. Did you see the movie Eighth Grade? I don't know if it's over in London yet. No. You're going to have to see it. It is okay. devastating. <laughs> it's okay. really, really good, but it's okay. just about a girl um, in eighth grade. And it's, okay. uh, it, it's uh, it, to me, the, the part of it that was the most eye-opening was the way that eighth graders now, how they communicate with social media and how oh, social yeah. media really, you know, like if it's hard for us, just imagine being a kid yeah. right now. Yeah. And having to deal with and not remembering a time when there wasn't that yeah. those, those outlets. And it, it's and now you're comparing your life to yes. somebody else who's been over filtered and, and over contoured and Yes. Yeah. Ugh, that is just a nightmare. I yeah. mean, just just thinking about how many times when you were a kid that you felt left out. Yeah. And yeah. now you're seeing what you're left out of on oh. Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I don't that's that's terrible. That's yeah. that's a that's kind of like reshaping our our kids and I think it's also making them less outgoing. There's yeah. there's there is got there's got to be a direct correlation between the use of social media and kids actually being able to socialize internally. Right. It's it's I mean I watch kids who are 14 and 15 years old here that are afraid to make um order food at a restaurant. If we wow. get shy, because everyone's yeah. just being on the phones. Yeah, 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 that's true. One good thing for Broadway, though, is that it's let young people come backstage and see yeah. behind the scenes in a way that we yeah. never had. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you, since you were a part of the original cast of In the Heights, and um, you are now, you know, and now that you've been a part of the original cast of Book of Mormon and, and mm-hmm. on both sides of that, do you feel like that show when in the Heights had some social media, Facebook probably, but maybe not even, really. not even that. Yeah. No. So, so do you think that like there was a difference between the experience of the two shows because of social media? Yes. I mean, you never had to have a social media meeting before. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have we have meetings with with press folks about yeah. how we engage on social media on our own private platforms. Actually, you you and I both mm. you and I both sent out a tweet about getting cast in the show. Oh, really? And we both got we excuse me. We both got um. I remember this. We got an email saying, "Could you just like <laughs> excuse me?" Um. Could you just hold off a few days, you know, before we we're, we're going to make the big announcement? I'm just being like, wow, this is wow. This, this is for Book of Mormon. Yeah, you wow. and I, you and I tweeted 
he just tweeted something. Oh God. And we'd waited for like three years. Yeah. <laughs> like we had, we had to sign uh, non-disclosure agreements and, and yeah. not tell people about it for three years while we were working on workshops. But <laughs> the untitled, was it the untitled musical? Yes. The untitled musical by Matt Trey and Bobby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For years. So, I mean, we were dying to tell people about it. It was the yeah. most exciting thing ever. Um, but yeah, so I mean, so back then, I, I think, um, I mean, there were there were TV appearances. I think it was just, yeah, there, there wasn't that social media blast, right? Well, especially doing a show with Lynn, who yeah. now with Hamilton, you know, he is is the king of Twitter, and yes. uh, he has basically taken the lead on bringing a Broadway fandom into the wings. The main- yeah. Yeah. And, and it's great because I think that that is one of the reasons that Hamilton has been such a success is because people feel ownership of it. If they're a yeah. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know what the line is between being completely shut down from it and, and being completely at the mercy of your followers. And, right. And, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's, I, I think it's a lot of pressure. I don't know if I I can't commit to being that open and present all the time on Twitter. Yeah. It's just you know, I'm yeah. old. I'd like to meet face to face. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's 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 tough because you know, like for me with Instagram right now, I don't think I've really other than like telling people who's going to be on the podcast. I don't yeah. think I've posted at all in the last month. And so I'm like, oh, should I post? And I was like, no, I just, it's not like I, I don't do it. If I do it, I, it's because I, I feel like I have to at that moment because I want to, Yeah. um, not because I'm just trying to keep my content numbers up. Um, exactly. Exactly. And it just depends on the the kind of thing that you're doing. Um, you know, when I was doing Hamilton, you you just, oh, of course, you know, like there's constantly going to be something that people who follow me because they love Hamilton will want to see. Yeah. But, you know, maybe they don't need to see my hike up the same trail for the 100th time, even though I I still probably take that picture and post that. That's my, that's my only story. Well, that, I've I've never done an Insta story except for when I took over the Dream Girls London account. I was I was literally like walking around to the younger people in the cast, going, "All right, help me with this. What do I do?" Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and they're experts. I had I had to do a Snapchat. Oh my gosh. For Hamilton once, and that was a nightmare. Stressful. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um. So what about what about creating your own opportunities, making your own shit? You have done this in the past where you've put on concerts and and showcased yourself. You did that one with Michael James Scott, which was so fantastic. Yeah. What what do you what is your thoughts behind making your own opportunities? I you know, someone a good friend of mine said to me once, uh, we were talking about writing. And I've always been attracted to it but terrified because I am just afraid of not being good at something. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? What do you think that is? Being afraid of, of not being good at something since you're so good at so many things. Well, I think it's, I think it's like firstborn guilt. Firstborn, firstborn guilt. Child, child of immigrants guilt. Like I just yeah. feel like I have to achieve. Um, right. And I'm probably harder on myself than my parents ever were. But um, so the writing thing, you know, we, we're used to saying other people's words. And so 
writing in your own voice is so exposing and so vulnerable. And, um, but my friend was saying, you know, you've got to start writing your own shit because even if nothing happens, you're, you're, you're manifesting those roles to appear. Right. So maybe what you write doesn't go anywhere, but your agent may get a breakdown for a character who speaks in a voice very similar to yours or, you know, and I thought that was, I really like that. Um, yeah, yeah, that you're you're helping to create, you know. Yeah, you're creating I, a voice. You're creating yeah, a, a, yeah. a character. Yeah, I think it's important to create. I think it's important to. It's part of the self care thing. I, I, I'm bad about journaling consistently, but I've always found that that's something that helps me. It's like those the morning pages from the artist's way. Right. I think I think that. It's important to, especially if you're doing eight shows a week, to find other outlets that make you happy, that you, you know, create other work for yourself or, because you can get, you can get stagnant. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that eight shows a week. How do you deal with that repetition? That's, to me, the hardest thing that nobody realizes if they're not on Broadway, how you deal with eight times a week doing the same thing. For years. How many shows have you done of Dream Girls so far? Oh, God. I've been here since March of 2017. So almost a year and a half. Yeah, so that's probably like 600. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I should actually find out. I have no idea. I just show up to work. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how many shows. That is so funny to me because I have to count. I have to know exactly. I know that I did 662 of Hamilton. And I did like, oh. I did 805 performances of Book of Mormon oh minus God. 40 for um, uh, vacation and 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 uh, sick days or something. Yeah. But I also had our stage management when I left because they knew I was so obsessed with it. They printed out a whole sheet of all the statistics of how many shows I was at and how many they did, it, how many Altoids I ate because I ate two. You're joking. <laughs> no, they, you know, they, they were so good to me and I would hung out in the stage management office so much I as we know. all did. I miss our little green room. I know. Eugene I know. O'Neal. Yes. The Eugene O'Neill. There's no green room. So we just hang out with stage management. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, I don't want to know how many shows I've done. I think it'll make me cry. So you've done a lot. So, how done do a lot you, of so maybe that's how one of the ways you deal with it. I have to know how many I've done. You don't, you don't want to know how, how else do you deal with that repetition? Do you have rituals? Do you, make yourself laugh on stage. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. hard. It's hard to do eight shows a week. And I think, you know, no matter how much you love anything, eventually it feels like the job. And right. and it is a job that, you know, it's a fun job and it's a job that a lot of people want to do, which I understand because I love it. But there, you know, there are just days where you're like, I'm doing the same, the same exact thing again. Here I am. Right. Um, I, I mean, I like to bring in treats for the cast sometimes. Mm. Uh, that's a good morale boost. Um, but yes, I mean, because I play and my co-star Tosh is hilarious and we get on really well. We just try to make each other laugh or like other people in the cast will. And, and that, the, I think it's those little things that help get you through. Yeah. Yeah. Just I mean, you have each other and knowing you that, laugh. you know, yeah, you have to laugh. You have to laugh. 
it really depends on your your cast and your team. They're the reason that you can can get through something or yeah. not. Yeah, I mean, we got through Mormon pretty pretty quickly. I mean, and, and yeah, we always. Oh my god, we laugh all the time. Yeah, no, I know. I, I it's funny because I on other shows I was like. I I can't imagine going up and making uh, jokes over the intercom as much as we did at Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like every day one of us was just like talking to the entire building being yes. an ass. Yes. And they let it happen. Yes. And I, I think it was it was what was necessary for the show. And I actually think it helped us on stage because I we – you, you can't do that show unless you're having fun all yeah. the time. Yeah, and you can't manufacture that. Daydreamers just taking a quick break to remind you about our special offer from Gold Star. Go to goldstar.com backslash Rory, enter the promo code Rory, and you will get an additional $10 off your first order. That's goldstar.com backslash Rory and get that sweet, sweet $10 off. And it supports the podcast. All right. Now back to my guest. Yeah. Um, let's go back to what you just were talking about and, and, and uh, talk about you being the firstborn of immigrants. Mm. Um, you were, where were you born? Uh, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm just a pretty farm boy from Pittsburgh. This is Josh Gad's impression oh of Asmaret. Oh, hey, it's me. I, I had to, I had to do Josh's impression of me for Josh. Cause he forgot. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a long time ago and he's, Done a few more characters since, but yeah, that's his best one. Hey, by it's far. me, so and so. Some snowman he keeps spending all his time doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you yeah, so you I were born, born in, in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, and my parents are from a country called Eritrea, mm-hmm. which is in East Africa. It used to be a part of Ethiopia, and so they came to America for school, for education. Ended up staying in Pittsburgh because my uncle was uh, at the University of Pittsburgh teaching. So we kind of just landed there. That's amazing. And you, yeah. how, how, how long had they been in Pittsburgh before they had you? Uh, only a couple of years, I think. Yeah, only three yeah. years. Yeah, so my mother had gone to school in um, South Dakota, of all places. Wow. And my dad ended up at in Oklahoma City. Wow. Yeah. Weird place <laughs> for Africans to go in the 70s. Yes. But, um, but they did. And um, and then eventually my mother moved to be with my with her brother in Pittsburgh. And so my dad followed her there. Wow. And so yeah. you, you were raised in Pittsburgh. I was which, raised in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, uh, which is like not even the <laughs> Pittsburgh ac- accent, but uh, no. And Josh and I went to school in Pittsburgh. That's why I don't know why that became yours, but it, that's what it is. You, you are, yeah, as Moret from Pittsburgh. Um, I, heard I made fun of him. I'll never forget. Yeah, <laughs> um, I made fun of him, and he came after me. That was it. And that's it. Was born. Yeah. No, he. You. You can't make fun of Josh. He cannot <laughs> take it. No. 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 Comes at you ten times harder. Exactly. Um, so you started dancing in Pittsburgh. You were saying you were going to dance competitions, and exactly. there's a pretty uh, big dance competition world in Pittsburgh. 
Yes, there is. There mm-hmm. is. I started dancing <laughs> when I was three in just uh-huh. local, local little, you know, community studios. Mm-hmm. And then when I was seven, um, a good friend of my mother's found an ad for this studio in Penn Hills um, in the Yellow Pages. Remember the Yellow Pages? Oh, yes. Yeah. That um, book with numbers that, in it. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so we, I went there, and I stayed there until I was eight years old. And that was the Mary Lorraine Dance Studio and Abby Lee Dance Company. Abby Lee Dance Company. Mm-hmm. So that was a stu- it wasn't her studio. She had a company at the studio. It was her it was her mother. Her mother studio. Oh. Yeah, oh. Okay. Yeah. And that's the that is the Abby Lee that is famous for the TV show Dance Moms, right? Oh yes. Oh, yes. 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 So that's so uh, people if you if people know Dance Moms, they know that you had a very intense dance training as a child. Yeah. Do you feel like, I, I know that show was on when we were in Mormon and you weren't. Oh, it was weren't, starting, yeah. It was starting. Yeah, so yeah. you didn't you didn't really watch the show too much, right? No, but do you remember when she came to the show? Yes, yes, of course I do, but I'm not going to make you tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll just leave it at that. But, okay. Um, <laughs> no, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't watch yeah. it for, for a while. Yeah. Um, and even after that, I could only watch bits and pieces. I mean, of course it's, it's heightened for TV, yeah, of course. but, um, but you know, it was intense and, right. and a lot of, a lot of the body, any body image issues I had right. that I have now are, are a direct result from being in the dance studio all right. those years. Yeah. Um, which takes a lot of deprogramming, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Years and years. Therapy. Yeah. And and especially, you know, like when you are a young child and you are kind of given your priorities of what's important yeah. from an adult, it's hard to re- realize that you can control what your priorities are of, of what's important. And, yeah. you know, I, I felt like I'm sure that you have a lot of gratitude for the things you learned from technically from the studio and and you got a lot out of it but you also had to it came with a lot of shit yeah yeah well i I see that even it's very different because you're you're much older but going to a college conservatory and being in a bubble for four years yeah you kind of just think oh this is all that's important in the world yeah and then you get out in the world and you realize oh i have to be a person too i forgot about this um and I think I'm, I'm so grateful to have my parents because my parents came to America for education. So no matter how well I was doing in the studio and, and at competitions, it was always about getting good grades and going to college. And ultimately that's what um, started a whole slew of events with, with my teacher and I. But right. um, one of the best things I could have ever done was to go to NYU and get a bachelor of science degree in communications and study something completely outside of the field of the arts. That's so amazing to me. I, I really, I love that, that you had that. What did that do for you? Because so many of the people that we work with, you know, if they went to a conservatory or not, they majored in theater. Yeah. What? That was never an option for me because I was, I was such a good student and 
and I um, I actually got accepted on a on a schol- in a scholars program called the Martin Luther King Jr. Scholars Program. So I had to maintain a three point five GPA and do thirty hours of community service a semester. I just I think wow. I think when you have other interests, somewhere in, in, in you know re- regarding um, creating your own work, yeah. I think having other things to talk about just makes you a more interesting person. It makes you a more interesting actor. And I think it's just a happier person. Yeah. Because it, you know, I wasn't in the bubble. And I was sort of like in and out. You know, I was, I was getting my degree. And, and I got my first Broadway show when I was in college. And so I had to talk to my teachers and, and make sure that we could work everything out. And I would go to school and do my communications lessons and all you know my other classes during the day and then go and swing a show at night that what was that show was it footloose yes footloose yeah wow yeah that's a hell of a show to swing you had to learn a bunch of different dance tracks nine i learned oh nine six six ensemble and three principals all i covered all three bonnets wow yeah now if there might be people listening who don't understand what a swing is you have to learn nine different parts when you're doing what she yeah. did, and you have to be ready at a moment's notice to do any of them. And I went on all the time. I went on mid-show. I went on, you know, for for weeks at a time. I'm sure it's such a dance-heavy show that yeah. people are calling out left and right. Yeah, yeah. So how did you did you maintain your grade point average? How did you go to classes and get everything done? Yeah, surprisingly, I mean, my my, my GPA dipped a little bit that semester. Um, but no, for the most part, I, I, I maintained it, if not went above it. Um, wow. I think luckily, because I, I wasn't guaranteed a track every night, when I got the opportunity, I would just go and sit in the dressing room and, and try to do some work. And um, it weirdly worked out really well, scheduling-wise, that I, I, I happened to schedule all of my classes in the first part of the day. And then there was one class that I didn't, it was like a writing class on Wednesdays at two or something. And the teacher happened to be a dancer. So she was like, this is great, go for it. Wow. Um, yeah, everything just kind of came together. It was really, it was really cool. I mean, I don't think I would ever do that again. So then, you, <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, the things that you do when you're young, because yeah, exactly. you, you're like, oh yeah, I can do it. I have to do it. But now you're like, oh, no way. That no is, way. That is crazy. So yeah. did you graduate soon after that semester? So I took a semester. No, that huh. was my freshman year. So I took a semester off to do this other show, came back made up a semester made up that semester in the summer and graduated in four years. And I was valedictory speaker of my graduating class. Wow. Asmaret. That is really incredible. I, I mean, I it I'm, makes I'm, a lot I'm of super sense. Proud of that. You should be, you absolutely should be. I mean, I, I think that, you know, getting through a, a drama program can ha- can be tough, but getting through a, a communications program at yeah. a major university while you're already in the business. That is like an incredible feat, um, which makes so much sense to me because you've juggled so many 
Broadway shows. And it's also why you became, I think that sometimes when people show that they're smart and they have the talent, they quickly become swings and understudies because you, it's a puzzle and you know how to put that puzzle together. Yep, exactly. Swings are definitely the smartest people on Broadway, in my opinion. Like They just are able to see so many different pieces of the show that, you know, when you're just doing one track, you don't even realize how everything's coming together. I always say everyone should have to swing. I think you you gain a whole new appreciation for what those swings are doing every night. And I, I did the nine tracks and it was like all, I mean, it's like, it looks like a, um, a playbook, a football playbook. You know, and then I, after, right after college, I was, hired to be a swing on the Aida tour. Oh. So I went from nine to eight. And I remember starting, I remember starting the show in one track and leaving as another, you know, ending the show as another. It was just like, it takes a, it takes a special kind of person to be a swing. I think it's not for everybody, but I do think everyone should do it because it gives you perspective and. Oh yeah. And you also, you have to work. Yes. And you have to work so closely with, stage management with yes. with everyone on staff to keep the show going. You are the yeah. reason that the show can go on. When they yeah. when we have that saying the show must go on, it's because of the swings. It's not yeah. because people don't get sick. Yep. Um yep. so so then you started you you went into wicked, you started to go yeah. into ensembles of major shows, including yeah. my husband's favorite and why I knew who you were. Legally Blonde, um, <laughs> because he saw that show, like, I don't even know how many times, eight times or something. So he knew who you were. Um, you, and I think that show in particular, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, might have been one of the first ones where as an ensemble member, you were popping so much because you had so much to do in the show. Well, the, yeah, um, I mean, they, they changed as an actress. to principals. They made them right. principals. Right. Yeah, so that was my first leading role. Right. Well, there you go. In the, on the uh, stage, yeah. And so, so was that soon after that the Book of Mormon stuff started to happen, or was it? Am I? Glo- I, I don't. I can't. Yeah. I'll, what I'll do before we start this interview, I'll list off all the thousand Broadway shows that you've been in. <laughs> so I know we're going to gloss yeah. over a lot of them, okay. but um, I kind of want to get to the point where you were became Nabalungi because I think that is such a, that was, yeah. so that's, that to me is kind of like the next turning point in your career to get to where you are yes. now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, we did the workshops as we were talking about before of, yeah. of Mormon, you were part of the ensemble and um, had so many good one liners. Yes. What, what was your favorite uh, line from book of Mormon? Oh, it's, I think my favorite line is, is the, the bit at the end. When they're comforting Navalungi and, uh, yeah, you don't believe a man actually fucked a frog, do you? <laughs> That's fucking stupid. I'll never forget the first time I read it in one of our table reads, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." I quickly became the, the woman that, well, the person that dropped all the f bombs. I don't know right. what kind they of intuitive thinking that was on their part. But. Yeah, they like, oh, <laughs> give it to Asmara. Yeah, she'll, exactly. She'll drop the f bomb. Yeah. Well, you you just sold it too. It just sounds so right coming out of your mouth. <laughs> Thank you. I but I think it's also because everyone knows that you're that you are a team player, and that mm-hmm. you're gonna anytime. And I can't believe I'm about to use a sports metaphor here, but anytime <laughs> someone throws you the ball, 
Yeah. You're going to run with it that you know how to carry them all. And yeah. I think that's, that was kind of the, you were understudying Navalungi and, yeah. um, our, our friend Nikki James, who was wonderful in that role. She, she, I remember she didn't miss a lot in the, you know, in the first year. Yeah. But I remember there was a period of time, maybe on her vacation where you did the role and you were just so fantastic. Did that feel like a different moment for you in terms of when you were stepping into a role um, because we'd worked on it for so many years or did it feel special in any way? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely a full circle moment getting to, I mean, the, the vacations were, were great, but there was, there was, um, oh, and she went to film her pilot too. I'd gone over, oh. but it wasn't until She'd gotten a leave of absence to do a play and right. I got to come back for four months and play this part that I'd worked on for so many years and, and, right. and, and getting to play with so many of my friends again and, and them seeing me now come back and playing this part it was, it was really emotional. Yeah. Really emotional. Yeah. And, and it, and then it led me here. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. And here you are in London starring on a, on the West end. Yeah. Um, are we ever going to get you back? I'm very concerned. I, I just, I want, I know, I, I know how great it is there. And I know how um, you're being seen properly there. And that makes yeah. my heart sore because I've seen you so many times just be a star on a stage. And I love the fact that you're getting the spotlight as well. Uh, pointed at you in this yeah. moment. Um, it's always I, nice when friends from New York come over and and see what I'm doing because they know. Yeah. What it what it's like. You know, Michael just saw the show the other night and he's just in his seat. I could see him. You can't miss that guy. No. But he was like he was tearing up the entire time because because of where we came from. Oh my god! Yeah. And yes. It's nice. It's nice to to be recognized and appreciated for that. Well, you've worked so, so hard from from your days in the dance studio to your yes. days. Yeah, like from the from the get-go. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have worked incredibly hard. And I think that you've also kept such a, a wonderful, positive attitude. And you make so many people laugh on stage and off. <laughs> and so you have a lot of people who are your cheerleaders. And I certainly am one of them. I'm so proud of you for all you've accomplished and um Thank you and i can't wait to have you back on broadway i know well i'll be i'll be <laughs> i'm hoping to come back for a little while we're okay the show's closing here in january so okay you might all right all right <laughs> well thank you so much for being on living the dream yeah thank you for having me Audition side job swimming upstream believe it or not you're living the dream Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org, because only together we rise. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.